Hi, I'm Carol Bartlett, and welcome to Creators at the World's Edge, the Tech NL podcast, where we share the inspiring stories of people who are shaping the thriving tech scene in Newfoundland and Labrador. I sit down with Joshua Green, the CEO of Misa. Josh started his company after he saw a smarter way to heat our homes and help solve the climate crisis. That was also really scary, like going to the first customers. I remember like holding onto the wheel, driving this vehicle to the energy audits. And I'm like, I am so scared right now. Are they going to like laugh at me? Are they going to like think that I'm a joke? Like it's just <laughs> such like, who am I to go to these energy audits uh, and, and try and help homeowners? Hi, I'm Joshua Green, CEO and one of the co-founders at Misa. I'm super passionate about energy systems, heating and cooling, and how we're fighting climate change to protect this amazing planet that I love to experience through hiking here on the East Coast Trail here in St. John's, Newfoundland. What I started out doing was uh, residential energy audits. And um, this was right out of university. I was a mechanical engineering recent grad, and I wanted to put my skill set and my know-how to helping fight climate change. And I was also obsessed about heating and cooling systems and building homes and energy efficiency. So I started Empowered Homes as a residential energy auditing company. And the skills that you learned during that time and the struggles, do you, what were they and how do you apply them now that you have a much bigger company? Well, so just back on the fear thing, like I think that was a, um, a huge just throw me in the deep end and then you, you get through it. And uh, inspirational quotes have their time and place. But and, and one of them that really resonated with me, I think, was the Richard Branson one that's just like the screw it, just do it. And I would be driving to energy audits and I'd be like, no, nope, screw it, just do it. We're going for it. And so I've applied that to even when we got to Misa. Uh, if I think about all the times that have like scared me, whether I'm like pitching to a new investor or getting up in front of even the company, like at Misa, I am scared sometimes. And there's a fear of I have all these passionate people who are Misa employees looking at me and looking at me as a CEO for leadership. And that scares the heck out of me. And it, uh, but I, I think I've built up this acceptance and and turn the fear into hey yeah I want to do the best that I can so that that certainly has uh, um, stayed with me so Best Buy has had a role in in your journey yeah just tell me about walking into Best Buy maybe back in 2016 2016 yeah and how that transpired in into a life-changing moment. Sure. Well, and so I'll just say, like, so when I was doing the energy audits, that's when I discovered that there was no smart thermostats for baseboard heating. Because so I had clients that were looking for means to effectively manage their baseboard heating, and they wanted to save money. And so I searched online, but I also walked into Best Buy, and I said, hey, Best Buy, I have clients who are looking for smart thermostat for their baseboard heating. And I remember the gentleman at the time, he said, I'm sorry, those don't exist yet. Um, We've got Nest here, we've got Ecobee, those are for low voltage, but we don't, the product that you're talking about doesn't exist. So I remember walking out of Best Buy that day, I'm like, it just didn't make sense to me because uh, certainly here in Newfoundland and Labrador, 
nearly three quarters of homes have electric baseboard heating. And I'm like, what? How is there no solution for three quarters of the homes here in Newfoundland and Labrador? And then I think it's the kind of the support group and business acumen that said, okay, well, what does it look, what does the market look like across Canada? And maybe not to the same degree, but the number is actually one in three homes in Canada or had electric baseboard heating and had no solution. And so that was the light bulb moment that said, why is there not a product for this? When you, when you already had clients, they were looking for a solution. You looked for the solution. There wasn't one. And then you decided to put up like a website specific for this. Yeah. You did a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. Um, at that point, you didn't have a product. You didn't have any sense of how to build the product. Correct. And then what happened? Um, it's uh, step by step, just taking one little incremental approach to, I think, that you were in the right direction. And so uh, certainly, and all credit goes to Zach, my co-founder, for moving to to put up a website and see if there was even customers that even wanted to buy the product. Because me, my kind of technical engineering mind, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to start focusing on how do I build it? Because I think that's the most important. But Zach was like, no, 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 okay, you can go do that. I'm going to make sure that there is actually a real market here because you've got a tip of the iceberg here. And it's interesting that you've got some clients asking for it, but is there enough clients to build a business on? And so it was Zach who really said, well, let's use the Kickstarter model to try and validate that there are people looking for this product. And so we put up a website. The other thing I think that is important that at this point, Zach and I grew up surrounded by technology. We loved everything about technology every single Apple event, we watched live stream. We were obsessed with what is the new gadget coming out. And so like, this has been built up over the growing up. And so when we said, what does the product we build want to look like? I think that was actually really clear to us because it was just came natural from all the instinct that we built up. And so we were able to create a website of what the product would look like. Um, let alone how do we build it, but here's what we think that it should look like. And we put up the website and uh, then figured out how to drive people to the website through Facebook ads and Google ads and targeting search. Um, But then was able to, through that pre-order campaign, collect nearly three quarters of a million dollars of pre-orders for the product, which was just uh, some renders, some value propositions, some features, the price... That was it. That was all that existed. <laughs> I, I'm a total advocate. And if I was going to preach anything, it would be sell it before you make it or sell it before you create it. But this is definitely going to the extreme. So having orders of three quarters of a million dollars and then not understanding how to build the product, that is fear. So it is one thing to drive into a client's, yep. you know, house to say, I don't know if I can quite deliver exactly what they're looking for. And then it's another thing to to face down that kind of money. And then, so, so then you had to, what, I don't know, build something? Well, I knew that... Um Zach and I weren't going to do it alone. So the very first thing was not build the product, let's build the team. And that was really the very, very first step was hiring the very first 
electrical engineer, software developer, software developer number two, and built up a team. Um, and by the time we started to the point when we actually launched, the team had grown from just the two of us to 20 people. So it was not that Zach and I, we contributed to building the product, but I think our main thing was building the team that was going to bring it to fruition. And uh, I think, yeah, there's lots of challenges that, that that we certainly helped with, but everything is, is to the team that be able to, to build the, that first product and get it to market. You talk about uh, the role of your co-founder, Zachary. What is the dynamic between you and and Zachary, which is your brother? Yeah, so um, Zach and I grew up, uh, we're three years apart. But I think one of the important things that's why our business relationship has been so successful is because that we share so many core values, the MISA core values, but just our like our beliefs, our value systems, I think, imparted on us by our parents. They're so together. They are so in sync that even though when challenges come on the important things, we are always aligned. But then we complement each other because, like I said, I was off trying to build a product. He was like, okay, you do that. I'm going to make sure there's a market for the product. <laughs> Perfect. That's a match uh, made in heaven. It'd be interesting to know how many messages Zach and I have sent back and forth <laughs> over our history. I'm, I'm glad there's free texting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because um, uh, I, I certainly text my brother much more than uh, even my wife. <laughs> but um, no, we uh, yeah we, we work really great together and complement each other. And uh, there would be no Misa without Zach. What is MISA? When we first started, MISA was build a baseboard thermostat. That's it. And, and, and we did not have any grand plans to go, okay, what's beyond that? But what's been amazing is just to listen to our customers, listen to what the market is doing, listen to where there's being value created. And also, we also deeply think about why we exist as a company, which is to fight climate change. That's kind of my personal uh, mission in life is to do things that fight climate change. And uh, and it's amazing that we built up this company that also has that mission. And so what MISA has evolved into is have that mission at our core and what is, what are we really good at. And so ultimately what we're building at MISA is helping homeowners move towards uh, what we call the home of the future in terms of electric, fully electric heating and cooling in a system that allows the world to fully decarbonize, to actually move to fight climate change. And so our mission is to build products um, that are focused on heating and cooling for residential customers to help them um, be energy efficient and be comfortable and adopt um, new heating and cooling systems that are fully electric. So MISA products help homeowners be more energy efficient and more comfortable in their homes by making the thermostat really easy to interact with. Um, today, uh, or previous to MISA, there were these complicated programmable thermostats with these little tiny screens and these little tiny buttons. And it took somebody with an engineering degree to figure out how to program them to go 
uh, up and down throughout the time of day to make sure that you're saving energy but by being comfortable. But what Misa products enable customers to do is through their smartphone, have a really simple, dead simple uh, way to be able to manage their heating and system. So whether it is putting on an energy saving schedule um, so that um, when you go to work, uh, your your temperature reduces, so you're saving energy. And then when you come home, your home your home is nice and toasty when you already get there. Or it's about understanding your energy consumption is another value prop of Misa. You can actually see in the Misa app how much electricity and energy you're actually using, so that you can make better decisions on how you can save energy. I think one of the really important things that we're learning is it's not just about the actual hardware products that we're building. Those are great but it's also about the software platform and the ecosystem that we're building on top of those products. And long-term, I think that will be the actual huge uh, value creation that Misa does. We had talked about how you went through the Kickstarter. That was a great success. And then how did you make it? You built the team, but there were a lot of failing points in that. Um, what were some of the darkest moments and what got you through? So uh, Zach and I often talk about the darkest moment in Misa for Zach and I specifically was um Q4 2017, so all the way from September, actually, and it went into February of the next year. So there was a five-month period where we had spent the last nine months working with the teams, building the product, and uh, we were now at the point where we needed to, okay, we've designed it, okay, that's cool, but now we need to go manufacture it at scale volume manufacturing, which nobody at Misa had ever done. And we also need it to, importantly, uh, certify from a safety perspective um, the device, which again, nobody at Misa had any um, experience doing. And so it started in September, the progress of certifying the devices, or the device. Um, and um, we were... Uh, faced with a lot of failure. Um, we'd come get a test report back and of 20 things, uh, there were 16... This is from the certification. Certification specifically, yeah. yeah. And, um, and again, this is all kind of the... And this is the reason that companies do certification is to be, before it gets to public, you're really putting it through its paces. And uh, But yeah, we would see 20 things come back, 15 of them failed. And so then the question is like, okay, why did they fail? And then we don't even know. And so then it took the teams, it took, um, there was support from other folks uh, who had kind of been around the kind of electrical kind of uh, industry here in Newfoundland that helped us. But it was continued every single day trying to figure out why these tests were failing and what could we do to uh, fix them. And then what was also really painful is these testing was extremely expensive. And we were at one point trying to do a particular test. And every time we were going for a test, it was $20,000. <gasps> 
He said you were just throwing $20,000, $20,000, $20,000 and failing. And that was so scary. Also, at this point, the customers were expecting to get their products at this point because we had, this is when we were supposed to deliver. And we, and we could not get the product certified. And so I remember we put out blog posts and emails to try to be transparent with our customers. Here's what we're going through. Here's what we're trying to overcome. So that was uh, challenging. But that period, like I said, I, uh, Zach and I often refer to it as the, the darkest time of Misa because we were not sure if we were going to make it. We, we had uh, some great investor support at this time. We had a team of 15 people. We had payroll to meet. There were times when it was like, are we going to be able to hit payroll this Friday? I don't know. Um, and so the other thing what is interesting about the, um, the pre-orders that was unique, we took pre-orders, but we actually didn't take any customer's money. So everyone put their orders in and they gave us um, and, and put in all their credit card information so that when the product shipped to them, they would be charged. So we didn't have any money from the product, the pre-orders, and we could only access that money after we shipped them the product. Uh, you can see the how important it was to get to shipping. Yes. Um, and so, um, yeah, that was really tough. And I remember... The team also getting really frustrated and demotivated. And are we going to solve this? But um, was there a core principle that got you through that time? So I think it is probably the what has morphed into one of the core values at Misa, which we call hashtag AGB, which is a Misified version of continuous improvement, or it's always getting better. And so I think what we said is, hey, okay, the results from the certification are coming back, fail. Okay, let's learn. Why is it failing? And really deeply understand things that we didn't even actually really deeply understand before. And that was, that was kind of interesting. When you, when you start failing, not knowing why you fail, and then forcing yourself to understand, it's actually a very magical moment when you see these like, things click. And you're like, ah, I actually now understand this way better. Let me go fix it now. <laughs> and, and so that is That's literally... a unique way of looking at failing. Yeah, but I, I think it is, is so powerful uh, to think of it like that. And uh, like I said, it's AGB, always getting better, has, has become rooted at one of Misa's core values. And to this day, everything that's happening at Misa, if we're failing, or even if we're just like mildly succeeding <laughs> it's like <laughs> what can we do better what are we learning because we always got to be getting better So you started off with uh, a consulting service business, then you moved into to to the smart thermostats. What are the paces that you've gone through to find the business model? Well, it's rooted in two things. We have a mission to fight climate change. So everything that we do needs to make sure that we are creating a business that's scalable because it's one thing to go do a couple of energy audits, but I couldn't scale myself to do tens of thousands of energy audits. So it's like, what is the business model that supports 
making an impact on a global scale. And so that was like one of the certainly ingredients. Um, and then the second one is we are we made the choice quite early on, uh, and we've really enjoyed the path of being a venture backed company with shareholders who we need to obviously uh, have them support us, and, and we need to provide a return to them. So the business model is: Hey, what are the what does it look like that allows us to have this scale to fight climate change that we do, while also uh, creating uh, substantial um, shareholder value. And so we've started with this direct-to-consumer hardware sales model. And so creating that distribution model and different sales channels are now coming in to say, hey, how are we continuing to grow the scale and scope of MISA? Um, and then the also really interesting thing, and this is the longer-term thing, but it is also really the exciting thing, is um, our direct work actually working with electric utilities. Uh, and that is actually in uh, regards to something that's called demand response, where smart connected thermostats and customers can actually help the utilities better manage their grid so that they are preventing blackouts or brownouts or that they are reducing emissions from peaker fossil fuel plants. And so this is a model where now there's two customers involved. There's the homeowner, of course, and they're getting substantial value. But now we have utilities who are also creating value for. And so this will be a really interesting part of Mises future uh, going forward. So in 2021, uh, we went and set out on our next set of fundraising and looking for great new partners to join our our, um, our shareholders, our investors, and, and see the vision of what Mesa is trying to build and want to support a local Newfoundland tech company like uh, Mesa. And we were able to raise a great round last year, $20 million to keep pushing forward. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, $20 High million. Five. It was a, it was a nice, nice round number. It was so exciting to share it with the whole company, of course, but also share it with the community here. Uh, I think there's just so many amazing wins going across the entire Newfoundland tech community and to be able to share it alongside so many other great companies and see the momentum that's building here. It's amazing. I follow you on LinkedIn. Every now and again, you will put up a slide that has all of the logos of every startup in Newfoundland and Labrador. How much time do you dedicate to this? How did you come up with the idea? Where's it going? I wanted to show the growth of the tech industry in Newfoundland and Labrador. I wanted something that was going to create something that was like inspiring and positive to people. And so I said, okay, oh, it'd be interesting to see a slide with all the logos. And so I started and I came up with 20 logos. But then what I did was Twitter, Twitterverse, everyone out there, share me your logos. And then so over time, it grew, it grew, it grew, it grew. And at some point, there was like well over 100 logos on it. And uh, it's, it's visually striking when you see all of these logos, these different colors. Uh, and then you, I know that company, I know that company. Oh, my friend works for this company. Well, also, you can see the, the progression of it. Yeah. So like it... I could identify the logos because there was some white space on it when right. it first started. And then it was like, oh, that's, you know, much more than what it was a couple of months ago. And then as it progressed along a couple of years, yeah. now, like, the logos are so small that I can hardly see them right. <laughs> because yeah. there's so many startups here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah, it's so exciting. 
but just kind of bookending it with the Best Buy. 2016 walked in, hey, product didn't exist. 2020, we walked into Best Buy and saw Misa baseboard on the shelf. And it's just so hard to even say that because it was like the craziest emotional, so much work compressed um, to see it on the shelf there. Joshua Green uh, from Mesa, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing so openly with us today. My pleasure. I had so much fun today. Thank you for having me. If you have tech stories of your own from Newfoundland and Labrador to share, we'd love to hear about them. Send us an email, info at technl.ca. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Creators at the World's Edge, wherever you get your podcast, to get notified for each new episode. Creators at the World's Edge is produced by David Lank and Stefan Dandino. Edited by Stefan Dandino. The executive producer is Marlene Hardy. Sound engineering by Marco Dulla and Stefan Dandino. And original theme music by Elliot Dix featuring Mick Davis. Special thanks to the Atlantic Canada Opportunities Agency, the Newfoundland and Labrador Department of Industry, Energy and Technology, and the entire team at TechNL for bringing this podcast to life. I'm Carol Bartlett. Thanks for listening. Are you musical? I am. Why do you ask? I just would have taken you as a musical person, maybe. Yeah, I grew up uh, from the age of seven playing the piano, but then I started playing the drums and the guitar, and I was at the point where it's like, okay, at university, is it engineering or is it music? No way. Really, yeah. Like, I was looking at universities to apply to for music. Huh. Uh, And I can't imagine what my life would have been like if I had taken that path.